0: hope is an interesting word isn't it it comes to us packed uh full of emotion uh, full of dreams and and full of expectation in our in our language we have this this unique distinction too with the word hope 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 isn't something you can touch right you can't touch hope you can't you can't grab onto physically grab onto tangibly grab on to hope you can't you can't Put it in your pocket like your keys or your phone or your wallet. Hope hope is something that that we can't touch, yet hope is something in our language we will say to one another that hope is something we're holding on to. I'm holding on to hope. And at the same time, hope is, is something that we carry with us. It's in our heart, it's in our spirit, it's in our mind. I can't physically touch it, I can't tangibly hold it, yet I hold on to it in my heart. I carry it in my spirit, in the best of times and in the darkest of times. Hope. Harrison and Bromley write that in the biblical accounts, it's, it's hardly adequate to define hope simply as expectation. I think when we think of the word hope, that that often that, that definition kind of comes to mind, or that synonym comes to mind, expectation. But in the biblical texts, it's, it's not adequate enough to simply think about expectation. Expectation must be yoked with confidence and desire. Expectation, confidence, desire. That's biblical hope. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, uh, the, the scripture that we read this morning. Perhaps not your typical starting point for Advent season. Maybe it's not the Christmas story you thought we would start with during Advent. Maybe it's not the, maybe you don't even equate it to the Christmas season. But tucked away within this account is a story of hope. From God to us this story that makes a way for Jesus to arrive. So before we even begin thinking about the arrival itself, himself, of Jesus, we think about the expectation of the arrival. We think about preparing the way for the arrival. Preparing the way for Emmanuel, for God to be with us. Now, we've had quite a full morning already a wonderful time in, in song and in tradition. And I've read for you already our scripture passage, and because of its length, I won't read it again, but let me refer back to it. Let me refer back to it in this message of hope, three takeaways that I see in this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the announcement of the birth of John. From Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. I see this, that God's timing is perfect. That God's timing is perfect. What may seem random to you and me in life and what may seem coincidental in our lives, the events, the background, the history, the friends that we meet, the people that we connect with and their stories that they bring with them may seem coincidental may seem random to you and me. But what I believe, as we, especially as we look at this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, that God works in the random, that God works in the coincidence, that in fact there is nothing random, there is nothing coincidental in our lives. God works in perfect harmony with our experience and our backgrounds to accomplish what he wants to do in this world. As I look at the story, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're, they're an honest couple. They're a godly couple. That's why Luke goes to great detail to talk about their background, their, that, that, that she was a daughter of Aaron that says something to that culture, and that they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Luke goes to great detail to tell us that these are good people who lead good lives, who have a not only a, a together in their marriage a healthy worship experience and expression but apart their history and their lineage and their background is something to take note of they came from a background of worshipers as they are worshipers themselves god is always working in the backstory of our lives to develop his story for this world. As I think about Zachariah and Elizabeth, as I think about their background, as I think about who they are and what they're experiencing, I see that God's timing is always perfect. And that he's constantly working with the backstories that you and I have to bring about what he wants in this world, for Zechariah, he had the, the opportunity to work a specific shift in the temple. He was quite literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. Scholar Leon Morris writes that the priests, the priests were divided into divisions, and that uh, those divisions were to serve on rotation in the temple. The division would be divided into different roles and responsibilities when they got to the temple. And here's the thing. A priest could not offer incense more than once in his lifetime. And some never even received that privilege. Thus, the time when Zechariah offered the incense was the most important moment in his whole life. Think about your career. Think about your job. Think about what you do for a living. What is the highest and greatest thing that you could ever achieve in it? And now you are one of many people, one of many workers, one of many who are called into a moment. And in that moment, only one will get to do the one thing that everybody wants to do. And they chose by lot. And you know that on that day, if your name's not called, you'll probably never have that opportunity again. And yet here's Zechariah in that moment with his background, with his backstory, with his history, chosen in that moment, to serve and to burn incense in the temple. On this day, at this time, in this season, Zechariah was chosen. I like to look at it and think Zechariah wasn't just chosen. That was the moment God used to call him forward. That was the moment God used to look at his back and his background and his history and say, now is the time. Everything that you've been through, everything that you've walked through, everything that you've been a part of, now is the time. Now is the time where I'm going to ask you to do something. Now is the time where I'm going to invite you to do something. Now is the time where I'm gonna show up and do something in your life. God's timing is always perfect. We may sit and wonder about it. We may sit and be confused about it. We may sit for years and for decades ask, why not now? Why not now? Why not us? Why not my family? Why not me in this role? Why not now? And God's working. As we ask the questions, God's working. He's taking our history. He's taking our present. He's working in them in the moment for just The right time. Notice what the angel says to him in verse 13. He says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. God shows up in the biggest moment of his life. Heaven shows up and speaks to him and says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard notice two things about that announcement it's very personal isn't it two things he called him by name zechariah called him by name this isn't this isn't luke's version of the angels uh, appearing to the shepherds plural right unnamed, unknown. This is heaven speaking to you and to me in a very specific moment, in a very specific way, and calls us by name. Zechariah. And what does he say? Your prayer has been heard. Think about that for a minute. Oftentimes on a Sunday morning, we sit here collectively as a congregation and we pray together. God, would you hear our prayer? And we're using it as a collective plural, are we not? Yet many of us go home and we say prayers as individuals. God, I need you in this moment. And we wonder, does God ever hear us? Does God ever listen to us? Does God ever move in our lives? And here we have Zechariah. Advanced in years. The one thing that they want most is a child. And they can't have one. And yet on this day, where he just so happens to be serving in the temple, just so happens to be, Burning incense, the one thing that is only drawn upon by Lot, and but not everybody gets to do it. It's on that day and in that moment that heaven reaches out and says, Hey, God's heard your prayer and calls him by name. God's timing is always perfect. Hope lives in the expectation that God is always working in the backstory of our lives. The second thing that I see in this story is that God invites us into what he's doing. God invites us into what he's doing. You know that we, we realize God doesn't need us, right? God doesn't need us. God chooses to invite us to join him in his journey. God is up to something. God is moving in this world. God has a plan and God is working out that perfect plan in the perfect way that he sees fit. And for some reason, he's chosen people like you and me to join him in the journey to accomplish his goals. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't know. What are you thinking? How am I going to help God accomplish his goals? What do you want of me? Who am I that I would even dare say that that I could help God in something? And yet God invites us, doesn't he? God invites us to join us along the way. And I think, I don't know, if you read the scriptures, God can be pretty compelling at times, right? Like a burning bush, right? That doesn't burn. Like all these miracles that happen. God's pretty compelling at times when he reaches out to his people, but yet you and I can be pretty stubborn too, right? God can be compelling, but we can be stubborn. An angel shows up to Zechariah. We say that like in passing, just reading a story. Listen, how many of you have had an angel show up to you in the middle of a worship service? Let's call it, this is pretty amazing what's happening. An angel showed up to deliver a message from heaven that was based on not a prayer of the people, but the prayer of Zechariah. Heaven invites invites him to be a part of what God's doing. Heaven speaks and invites Zechariah in. And what is Zechariah's response? Verse 18, how shall I know this? You know what he's saying, right? You know what he's saying. Zacharias is actually saying, prove it. Prove it. Well, let's start with an angel appeared to you. Let's just start with that one. An angel appeared to you. You were serving because your name was chosen by lot seems random, feels random, and in the randomness, an angel shows up. I don't know, maybe God's doing something. Zechariah says, prove it. There's an angel speaking to him. Prove it to me. We do it the same thing, don't we? God keeps showing up in our lives. God keeps sending people along the path. God keeps sending maybe not angels from heaven, the way we think of angels from heaven in the scriptures. But God sends messengers to deliver us a message about a certain place or season and time of our life. God is speaking to us. Heaven is speaking to us. God is saying, I've heard your prayer. That's why I brought this friend. That's why I brought this person. That's why I brought this church. That's why I brought this congregation into your life to give you a message. And we say, prove it. Well, you got an angel. You're there by casting lots. And Zechariah does what we often do. We fix our eyes on ourselves. We look at our age. We look at our season of life. That's what he was doing. And we don't believe the miracle of heaven in front of us. Hope. Hope lives connected to God's Desire to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and to and to join him in what he's already doing. And for 124 plus years, that's been the uh, heritage and legacy of this church. That people have heard the call of God and have stepped into that invitation not knowing where it's going to go, not knowing where it's going to take them, but hey, let's just see what God's doing. I'm willing to join with what God is up to. God's timing is always perfect. God invites us into what he's already doing. And finally, God will do what he says he's going to do. I wonder if sometimes we get confused like God needs us, meaning like like if we say no, it's not going to happen. You ever feel like that? You ever feel the pressure like, well, if I don't say yes to God, um, God's not gonna be able to accomplish what he's gonna accomplish. At face value, that's a little arrogant at times, isn't it? Like like we get a little puffed up with that and we can take that that attitude a, a little differently. Like God needs me, God needs me. No, God invites you. He doesn't need us. He wants us, he invites us. He doesn't need us because here's the thing, he's going to do what he's said he's going to do. Hope lives in the confidence that God will do what he says. The invitation to Zechariah is just simply a heads up. Hey, just giving you a heads up. This is what I'm doing. Love for you to be a part of it. Would love for you to be a part of it. Verse 19, Gabriel responds to to Zechariah and he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I, I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you didn't believe my words. And look at what he says, which will be fulfilled in their time. They will be fulfilled. The plan wasn't, To stop the mouth of Zechariah, the plan was to have John come forth to prepare the way for Christ. Jesus invited Zechariah and Elizabeth into that journey. And when Zechariah doubted, God didn't change his plan. God just changed the attitude of the people he was inviting. Because they will be fulfilled in its time. Heaven is confident. As Gabriel spoke, heaven is confident that what God says will happen, it's going to happen. Hope lives connected to the confidence that God is faithful to his word. Confidence, desire, expectation. This is where hope lives. And as uh, Eli and and the worship band comes back out to lead us in this final song, it's a perfect time to turn our hearts towards communion. Because communion is the embodiment of hope that is filled with expectation, desire, and confidence. John came to prepare the way. We start the Advent season with John so that we would see that there has been a way that is already paved for Christ to come. It wasn't by accident that Jesus showed up. It wasn't random. But it lived in hope that started with John. Our ushers are in the back and if you did not pick up one of the communion packets, they'd be happy to drop one off to you. Just slip up your hand if you need one. We have a couple over here. Anybody else? Some in the back. Any at the top? And so this morning as we we take communion, I want us to remember the hope that Jesus brings. I want us to remember what it's like to not just dream an empty dream, but to worship with expectation, confidence, and desire for God to move in our lives. Advent reminds us that Emmanuel has come. God is with us. And communion reminds us what he came to do to unite us with him. On the night in which he was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples in in an upper room and they shared a meal. And during the meal, he took bread and he thanked God for it. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. Let's eat together. following the meal, he took the cup, cup of redemption, and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood and that the forgiveness of sin is now found in my sacrifice for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And may I insert That gives us hope, expectation, confidence, desire. And that's what Jesus took to the cross for you and for me. Let us drink this cup together. As we sing this last song, let us do so, building our hope in who Christ is for us. Would you stand as we close?